All right, good morning, everyone. On this beautiful Lord's Day morning, of course, it's Mother's Day, and I had a I have a sermon that says, holds up the women in our in our Bibles and the, uh, three mothers who we need to remember in our everyday walk of life because they have very good examples for us as their as their, what their children done. And the third one, you always say, you know, I'm going to save the best for last. We don't hold it up higher, but this one we actually can say we have saved the best for last. So this morning I want us to open up to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. As we look at Samuel and his mother, Hannah, we see Hannah being ridiculed just a little bit, but as we understand who Samuel is and who he is, who he is to become a little bit later, by Samuel's even existence in this world, we can see that through the faithfulness of Hannah. As we read in the first book of Samuel, in chapter 1, we see uh, Ephraim, and we see uh, his two wives, uh, Peninnah and Hannah. Uh, we're going to start in the second verse, uh, talking about Ephraim. He had two wives. He, uh, the names of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. All right, well, let's think about that for the next few minutes. Here we see Hannah actually is going to be the mother of Samuel. She had no, has no children at this time. But Peninnah had children. So we see Peninnah in the next couple of verses kind of ridicule her just a little bit. So as we, as we carry on and down into verse 5, but, Hannah, but to Hannah he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. <clears throat> So it was a year by year she went up to the house of the Lord as she that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat in verse 7. And then verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, uh, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than you than to ten sons? So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the, seat, on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. All right, let's stop there in verse 11. We see Hannah praying to God for a son, just one son. She makes a covenant with him, if you will, a promise. She makes a promise to God that says, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. All the days of his life. Let's think of that as a mother's perspective. Of course, I'm not a mother, but I had a mother, and I can see the love in my mother's eyes as she was still here with us. I can see the love in my wife's mother's eyes for her children. Giving a child up would be exceedingly difficult. As it is your only child, here is Hannah praying for an only child, has no child, but she's praying for him. She makes a covenant with God. It says, if you'll give me a male son, or a male child, excuse me, you'll give me a male child, a son, 
I will give him back unto you. God remembers her. God remembers her in the day. So we see, let me get my scriptures right. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, in verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah now knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son. And they called and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now Samuel literally actually means heard by God. So God remembers the prayer that Hannah prayed to him. So here is God blessing Hannah and Elka with a son. And in verse 21, Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up. Uh-oh, we, we, might, we might see a little bit of a problem here. But fear not, can continue to read. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. So she's got a plan. She's going to wean the child and then take him up. That he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one half half of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the, and the child was young. And they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. That means she was giving Samuel to the Lord right then and there. As long as he shall live, as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. You see, back in... Back in 22, Hannah didn't go up. He was, she wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. She was, still, she was still nursing the child. She was still nursing Samuel. But she nursed Samuel. She weaned him off. And now she is presenting Samuel to the Lord. She's given him over, a service, over to a servitude of the Lord. She kept her promise. So here we see Hannah giving up her child. And again, so, uh, someone who loves their child as Hannah does would be difficult to give this child, his only son, up to the Lord. But yes, we see uh, Hannah and Elkanah carry on, and then we see a little bit further in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, in verse 18. So we hear, here we see Samuel as a child, as, as a young child, and he starts to begin his ministry. And he continues on in his service to God. But his mother does not forget him. It isn't one of those, why, well, he's off over there and he's gone. He's on his own. That is not what Hannah had in plan for her son Samuel. So 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe 
and bring it to him year by year. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, she remembered her son. She remembered her son, made him a robe, even as a child. She took care of her son, even though he was in the service of God. He, he no longer was with her, but he was in the covenant relationship with God, and his mother took care of him. And of course, we see a little bit further in the, the ministry of Samuel and the fall of Eli, and we see all of that, and Samuel becomes a servant to God for the rest of his life. That covenant was kept true by faithful obedience. And that's our first example of a faithful mother. Our second one comes, <clears throat> excuse me, comes from 2 Kings. Second Kings chapter, well, I just lost my place. Uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry. Second uh, Kings chapter 4. I apologize. I just lost my place altogether. I should have marked it. Nevertheless, we see Elisha. We see Elisha and his mother. So we see Elisha and his mother having a very covenant relationship with one another. And I apologize. That's, it's, I, I've, I had my place marked and I think my bookmark. I will right about time it's time to quit. <laughs> well, it was right there. I may have to move on to my third and final one. I apologize. It'll come to me. How about that? All right. I'll stick my bookmark back in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, the final example. My apologies on... No, that's not it. That is not it. I had the idea. I have the idea, but the scriptures aren't there. I'll come back to that. How about that? All right, so now we turn over to the New Testament. As I said, we'll save the best for last, and I apologize for the delay. And I apologize for my second one, but here we go. This is the third and final example. How about Jesus Christ? How about Mary? How about the mother of our Lord and Savior? So we see Christ announced to Mary. And we see that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. 
But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let's stop there in verse 30 before we move on. A lot of things significant was said here. So when we see uh, Gabriel coming to Mary in verse 28, it's Luke chapter 1 and verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary thought this was kind of, kind of odd, kind of an odd greeting, but she was not. She was held higher. She found favor in the eyes of God. She was chosen by God to birth his only son. That's significant. Here's this woman, a virgin lady, being chosen to bore Jesus Christ. She thinks it's strange that Gabriel would give her this kind of introduction that blessed are you among women. Verse 30, the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Another something significant. Do you think God would have just chosen any woman? God did not just choose any woman to bear and to bring up his only begotten son. She chose someone who has found favor in his eyes. She chose, he chose someone who was faithful. God chose Mary. And in verse 31, Gabriel continues on. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know a man. Then the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Let's stop there in verse 35. So as we back back up in verse 32, here Gabriel is announcing to Mary that she is going to bear the Son of God. He says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. What announcement that Mary is receiving from Gabriel. An announcement that she's going to bear the son of the highest. Could you imagine her reflection? Could you imagine? Because she was kind of concerned. She was kind of thought odd in verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She was a humbled lady. To being found favor over the other women. Or being blessed was she among other women. And God finding favor with her and being told that she's going to bear the son of the highest and God will give him the throne of David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Verse 33, his kingdom will never end. How many kings have we heard that their, kingdom, that, that, that their kingship ended? Many. How many kings their, their rule, their, their reign will end? 
many except Jesus Christ. His kingdom will last forever and ever. This is being announced to Mary before Christ has even come to this earth. So here Mary has a question. How can this be in verse 34? Since I do not know a man. That's a wonderful question, is it not? And Gabriel has an answer for her. A very wonderful answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, is what Gabriel says to her. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Well, let's look at the Holy One. Do we know what the word holy means? It means to be set apart. Jesus Christ was set apart from any other child that ever come into this earth. His father was God. Some might say, well, Joseph was his father. No, Joseph just was his upbringing dad, if you will. But God was his father. And Mary was his mother. Here we see this humble lady receiving the news that she is going to bore the Son of God. Imagine her persona. Imagine her reaction to this. You think she was humbled? I would say. I would have thought she would be. In verse 36, 19, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She accepted it with gladness. She accepted it because it was the will of God. For Gabriel tells her, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Many of us know how children are born. Even a child might, might ask a mom, where do babies come from? I, I, has your child ever asked you that before? I've actually never heard a child say that before. But mommy, daddy, where does, where does, children, where does, where does babies come from? And of course, we're kind of embarrassed at that point of telling or describing how this little child is, is to be answered this, this question. And of course, when a man and a woman know each other, they come together sharing of the flesh to create a child. That was God's purpose. That's his plan. Here his plan was a little different. That's the reason why we can call Jesus Christ the Holy One. He was set apart. He did not come to he did not come into this world as the being of a man and a woman. He came into this being as his Holy Spirit and a woman. As God overshadowed Mary, she was going to conceive Jesus Christ. But she accepts it. And of course, if you go on throughout the, throughout the life of Mary and Joseph, and Joseph being worried, of course, he's a little bit worried. That Mary and Joseph weren't quite married yet, and they hadn't come together to know one another quite yet. And here Mary is pregnant. And the people are going to, what's going on here? The whole story, which is for another lesson. We see Mary accept this word. We ex she accepts this plan that Gabriel has given to her from God. She says in verse 38 again, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it 
be to me according to your word. Those words sound very familiar. You remember Jesus Christ in the garden? Right before his arrest, right before his, if you would call it a trial, and right before his crucifixion. As he's in that garden, what does he pray? He prays for this cup to be passed. But if it be thy will, let it be done. This is, can we see the similarity here? As Mary being obedient to God. We see Mary as a mother. We see Mary as a mother. Remember when Christ, he was in the temple as a little small child. They come to do the Passover and they go back home and Jesus is not with them. Uh-oh. Then they begin to worry because they're home and nobody knows where Jesus Christ is at. Or Jesus of Nazareth. Don't have no idea where he's at. This little child is missing. So they go back. They go back and they find him teaching in the temple. This little small child teaching in the temple. And Mary kind of scolds him a little bit. Why have you done this to me? Why have you done this to us? And what does Jesus Christ say? I am about my father's business. He is doing the will of God. That rebuking stopped right there. And she remembers who this little child is. This little child is the son of God. And her faithfulness continued. Her faithfulness continued all the way to the foot of that cross. From that little small child. Folks, our mothers will be there with us until the end. Well, they can't do it anymore. Our mothers are precious. Many of us have our mothers no longer here with us and we have our memories of our mothers and we're reminded time and time again of who our mothers really are and were. It's, a, it's an important thing having a mother in your life. Better yet, for a mother, it's an important for a child to be in that mother's life. We see here, of course, with the example of Mary getting the news of bearing or boring the Son of God. The news from Gabriel. Of course, she bears it, and she and she's encouraged, also discouraged, but she stays faithful. How have we treated? How have we treated our mothers lately? Our mothers, in our examples, are treated with respect. They're treated to a higher endeavor, if you will. They're shown love. When we show our mothers love, we show them how much we care for them because they care for us so much. On this set-aside sermon, if you will, we hold our mothers up to a, a high standard. In our two was supposed to be three examples, we see a wonderful example, two of them, of mothers caring for their children and their children going on to great things. As we see Jesus Christ in his early years, we don't have a whole lot of examples except the, crowd, the child grew in stature and favor with the Lord. We don't have a whole lot of account of his everyday walk of life. I will say this though, as Mary being chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus, she was a faithful lady. And she took this task of raising up the Holy One, the Son of the Highest, the Son of the Living God. She took it with everything that she had. Does that sound familiar? It really does. I use this as an example in just about every one of my mother's day sermons, if you will. 
I can remember back when my mother was very cross with me because I didn't do something I was supposed to do. I didn't come home when I was supposed to. I remember that very vividly. And she even had the law looking for me. We, we think about it now. We kind of laugh. Back then, it wasn't that great when I finally came home and got the uh, rebuking that I should have gotten. It made me a better person. It made me to realize how much my mother loved me and how much it's missed today. Whenever we think of our mothers and we show our more love, we have an opportunity today to have an example from God's Word about the ladies in our lives, about the mothers in our lives. God uses your mother as an example. She's there for your help. Whenever we recognize that help is needed, I want to encourage one thing, to recognize that mother is there for you. And of course, this lesson has not been designed to convince you to be baptized for the remission of sins or to, to, or to repent of your sins. I will say this, if you neglect your mother, it's sad in the eyes of God. Let's not neglect our mothers. Let's make sure we hold them up to a higher standard and show them the love that they deserve. Just as God loved us through His Son, let's love one another. On the invitation side of this lesson, I want to encourage one thing. If you're walking hand in hand with Satan, you are an adversary of God. Don't be the adversary of God on Judgment Day. To know that you can walk in this world as He walked. 1 John 1 and 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, and have fellowship with one another in the blood of His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's make sure we're walking in this world just as God himself would walk this earth. To be considered holy, to be considered set apart from the world is a difficult task. Because the ways of the world is enticing and the snares of the devil are everywhere. Let's tell the devil we want nothing to do with him by confessing our sins, by repenting of our sins. And if need be, to be baptized for the remission of your sins. To know this, that we can fall short after we have received that knowledge that is in Christ. We can. It's an option. It's not a good option. For Hebrews 10 verse 26 encourages us not to sin willfully because if we do, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. Do you need to be baptized for the remission of sins? We encourage you. Please do so. Be immersed in those waters so as you can be added unto the kingdom, putting Christ on. But for those in the audience this morning, we've been baptized for the remission of sins, but that does not mean that we're automatically saved on Judgment Day. Is there a confession that needs to be made this morning? You need forgiveness of your sins. Why don't we do so?